healthcare is broken, and the healthcare industry is not going to fix itself. Reconstructing Healthcare is a podcast series where we interview the rebel entrepreneurs working tirelessly to disrupt the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we break down everything that's wrong with the current healthcare system and provide you with a blueprint to create better results. Now, here's your host, Michael Maneri. All right. Hello, this is Michael Maneri, and I want to welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today, our guest is Colin Quinn, president of Included Health Communities, an organization that offers tailored care navigation and advocacy solutions to employers and health plans to support their employees and members. Colin, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thanks, Michael. I am excited to be here. All right. So here's the game plan. Uh, What we seek to do here on this show is challenge status quo purchasing methods and educate our audience on non-traditional methods to either lower their health care costs or improve value for employees and dependents. Sound like something you want to help with? Absolutely. We are uh, doing that every day. I love the term that you're using, challenge the status quo, because that's absolutely uh, what we are looking to do, reimagine how healthcare is delivered. All right, great. So to get us started, I'm going to read a brief bio about you so our audience has some context about who they are listening to, and uh, then we'll jump into it. So Colin Quinn is the president of Included Health Communities. As mentioned, Included Health is reimagining the way healthcare should be delivered to diverse populations. In May 2021, Included Health was acquired by Grand Rounds Health Doctor on Demand. And in October 2021, the company was rebranded and named the newly combined companies as Included Health. The new organization's mission is to raise the standard of healthcare for everyone, including members of the LGBTQ community, by connecting members to inclusive providers who understand their unique health needs. As a member of the LGBTQ community, Colin understands firsthand the challenges members of the community face navigating their healthcare. He is passionate about raising care equality for underserved patient populations across the country. Colin lives in New York City and enjoys traveling when allowed, reading and staying active through sports, hiking, and Barry's Boot Camp. Colin received his undergraduate degree in finance at Butler and has an MBA from Stanford's Graduate School of Business. All right, Colin, anything else you'd like to add? I think uh, you covered everything there. So uh, making me sound really good. So thank you. All right. So Colin, to start us off, just tell us a little bit about your background and how you came from working historically in finance and sales roles uh, in in the pharma industry to launching Included Health back in 2019? Yeah, it's a, a good question. I would say really my professional career, I've dedicated myself. I've been passionate about healthcare. So as you mentioned, I got my start in big pharma. So I was at Eli Lilly for about 10 years uh, across multiple roles and functions. I graduated undergrad during the financial crisis. So I think that's an interesting time for young graduates coming into the job market, trying to figure out, okay, am I going to have a job? What yeah. is a stable industry that I should start my career in? Uh, so I was, I was really running a lot of my own decision-making through these filters to figure out, all right, what would be a good stable job? What industries are going to stay around for a while, like amidst the, or amidst, uh, the crazy economic times? Uh, and I was in Indianapolis at the time and I found Eli Lilly and it just seemed like a really great match, a mission driven organization, really looking to improve people's lives by bringing best in class pharmaceuticals and prescription drugs to market to improve people's lives. Um, so who wouldn't want to work for an organization like that? So, so that's where I, I started my career in finance, as you mentioned. Uh, so it was a really good opportunity to understand just 
the the core business uh, aspects of not only big corporate America, but also pharmaceuticals in the healthcare industry. Yep. I was really where things took a shift for me was a project or an opportunity that I got to work on at Eli Lilly with one of our large retail clients, uh, which was outside the scope of my work in finance. It, once again, during the financial crisis where many Americans were having to make trade-off decisions between, do I fill this prescription? Do I buy this food for and put on the table for my family or some other staple or, or consumer good item? So a lot of trade-off decisions being made. And pharmaceutical products and prescription drugs are still pretty expensive in this country. Yes. So we had the opportunity to develop a private label insulin um, that would, of course, reduce the cost to the consumer uh, so they don't have to make those trade-off decisions for life-saving medicine. Uh, so, of course, felt very good. It was a mission kind of passion project for me and, of course, would be a new business opportunity for an organization uh, from a Lilly perspective. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed having that opportunity to work cross-functionally, work close with the customer, and, of course, have a, a big impact on the healthcare system, but members as well. Uh, and that's really when light bulbs started going off for me of being able to innovate within healthcare and have big impacts, being closer to members uh, on the front lines of our business. So that experience is really what propelled me through my business school uh, to say, hey, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be in my professional career? And I kept finding myself saying, hey, I want to be closer to our members, innovating within healthcare, making impacts, because we can see there's still a lot of innovation that needs to happen within yes. our old healthcare system. Um, so that's what I dedicated myself to through my two years at business school was getting experiences outside of finance, because I knew I didn't want to be a CFO whenever I kind of grew up, or at least on that career track. Uh, I wanted to be more on the, the business, the strategy, uh, and the entrepreneurial side. Uh, and I really got bit by that entrepreneurial bug being in Silicon Valley, uh, as we know, is where a lot of startups happen and, and take place and, and are born. So I, I really just let myself get immersed in that experience. Uh, and then kind of fast forwarding from there, gathered a couple more experiences post MBA, and then really it led into my own personal experiences as a gay man, as you mentioned in my bio, uh, is really when the challenges started happening for me, navigating my own healthcare. And of course, I come from the healthcare community. I have some level of agency that I can advocate on my behalf, but I was having these challenges. And I said, this is not okay. This is not how healthcare should be delivered in our country. And recognizing so many others within our LGBTQ plus community were having the same or worse experiences. So that's really what led me down the path to say, hey, there's got to be a better way to do this. I would like to be the one to really drive this forward and create a new experience. So that those were the early stars kind of glimmering in, in the back of my eye to, to see and, and imagine how included health comes about. I love it. I love it. And in the notion that healthcare is difficult, you know, for really intelligent people is something that, you know, we see day in and day out. And uh, I love that that was the impetus for, for launching the company. So let's, let's talk high level about the larger organization as it is today, you know, a very different organization than included health that you started with the inclusion of Grand Rounds and Doctor on Demand. So tell me a little bit about what does that integration mean for the value proposition that Included Health is bringing to the marketplace today? Yeah, good question. We're excited about what the combination of our three organizations means for the market, what it means for buyers, and of course, what it means for members, ultimately. We are 
combining and integrating best in class virtual care through Doctor on Demand with navigation services and expert medical opinion from Grand Rounds. And then, of course, our community's offering, which brings in uh, tailored navigation and advocacy for underserved populations. So, as you can imagine, these three products and organizations coming together as one with a fully seamless integrated experience for members really is going to make a difference. We are the only one, only product and only offering that that is focused in this way. And I just love what this means now that I'm, I'm so proud and honored that the organization is called Included Health uh, because that was, of course, our name. Uh, and now it's living on to have an even larger impact and larger meaning uh, than what I originally intended it for. Uh, and it really does go to show that we believe in a world where all services are included for all individuals, regardless of who you are, what your health need is, or ailment or, or therapeutic need in area. Um, so this idea of fully included for a member is pretty amazing, right? Not too many organizations can do that. And we hear time and time again from our buyers and clients out there that uh, they're managing 40 different vendor offerings, and it's a very much of a fragmented system. We are solving that and fixing that to reduce the number of vendors to simplify it for their employees and for our members. Uh, and of course, driving better healthcare experiences and outcomes as a result of that integration. Yeah, I think it's a really unique value proposition in the marketplace. So I, I want to, you know, touch on a variety of the services that you guys, you know, provide today and, and how those are, are solving problems, you know, in the marketplace. Let's just start with with navigation, because I think that is core to to what you guys do. There's a number of companies in the space today, and it truly it does seem like a new vendor pops up, you know, every <laughs> every second now. Tell me how Included Health is different from other vendors in the marketplace when it comes to healthcare navigation, and and contrast that with what somebody gets if they're just they just have a regular insurance carrier, you know, service infrastructure. So navigation really is the front door. Uh, an experience for members to have a seamless, simplified experience through healthcare. So regardless of what your question, what your need is, what you might be looking for, you can have your, your care coordinator as your personal kind of assistant, your personal guide, your personal advocate through your healthcare experience. And really our key differentiators through our offering, uh, of course, being human-centered and powered, but through technology, so tech-enabled. Um, that way, members can be self-sufficient throughout their experience, or they can engage with their care coordinator if, if they have additional questions and need that higher-level touch. Um, but I would say tech-enabled quality is a key differentiator for us as well. Uh, we have spent millions and millions of dollars um, running our uh, providers, our provider match, to be able to build an algorithm that identifies quality uh, providers that we can connect members to. So higher quality uh, and tiered providers, of course, better outcomes, yep. lower cost of care to the buyer and the overall ecosystem. And then of course, being able to, to pair that with our virtual care offerings through those navigation aspects. So whether that's a, a provider that is included health, hired in, in one of our own clinical practices, or excuse me, through our own clinical practice there. So our virtual care providers are included health um, employed clinicians. Uh, so by the fact that we own our practice and they're part of our own organization just makes it a more uh, simplified and, and streamlined experience for members. Uh, but that means we own the, the hiring of our providers and, and can manage that overall experience for them. 
through that way and through that clinical practice, we've built the most diverse clinical practice uh, that exists out there that is pretty much unheard of um, in, in the world. So as we know, access to care, there are desert lands out there across the U.S. Yeah. It's a huge opportunity to be able to connect members if there is not a brick and mortar in-person option available for a member um, and being able to pair and match members to providers that maybe look like them or of the same background and, and community as them is incredibly important through that experience. I think that's actually a good segue into, into talking about this notion of, of equity. You know, over the last few years, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion has just been a huge topic of discussion nationally. And I'm personally very interested in how that concept of equity or inequity applies, you know, to healthcare. And specifically, I don't, I don't believe there's equitable access to care, depending on where you live, what type of job you have, how much yeah. money you make, and what your ethnicity is. So I'm curious, how do you think virtual care, digital solutions, navigation, how do you think these services that you're providing or, or connecting members to is impacting this notion of, of equity in healthcare? I would say first and foremost, access. Virtual care and our offerings enables and increases access to members across demographic, socioeconomic status, race, and ethnicities. Um, we know from a purely just from a provider perspective, uh, whether you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community or black community, that there are not enough providers that are from that community or affirming and clinically competent in the health needs of members within those communities. Right. So by having a virtual care platform and a virtual care clinical practice, regardless of where a member lives, we are able to connect them to a provider that meets their needs that's affirming and clinically competent. Whereas in current day, without this offering, that member would go without care. They might have a negative experience. They might be denied care. They might be discriminated against, which then leads to them postponing or avoiding care. Yes. And of course, that's not a good thing. We don't want that to happen. So there are real uh, opportunities that virtual care presents to remove a lot of these access barriers and increase equity within healthcare. I think beyond that, uh, one of the one of the really eye-opening things that we've been able to do at Included Health through our communities offering is conduct research through underserved member populations and understand what are the real needs, what are the access barriers, what are the challenges, what are the health disparities that, that these members face. And in an ideal world, how would you like your healthcare to function? We take a very much of a member-centric data-driven approach to this. Uh, rather than us sitting in a back room and just imagining how we think healthcare should be delivered for underserved member populations, rather we go directly to, to the source, to that community to conduct this research, conduct these focus groups. Uh, so through our community's offering, uh, we have two, two offerings today, one for the LGBTQ plus community and one for the black community. Yeah. In order to develop those offerings, we did this research. So we partnered uh, with existing clients, so a, a handful of Fortune 100 companies, and got connected to either their Pride LGBTQ plus ERG or their Black and African American ERGs, uh, and conducted that research and surveying, and then focus groups as well to really understand the needs. So then we could tailor that solution. So, what did you guys learn with the research? What came of that? Yeah, good question. So, I would say a lot of it was alarming disturbing and unfortunate, but at the same time, it wasn't new data. 
I, I don't yeah. think anyone looked at the data and was like, oh, well, that surprised me. Like these are issues and known problems that have existed for tens of like years, right? Hundreds of years since healthcare was created. Because if you think about who created healthcare, mostly white cisgendered men um, and no fault of their own, like you're yeah. using their own experiences, personal lived experience and, and developed kind of healthcare in that way. Um, but ultimately what we have found through this experience and, and through this data uh, is that the recognition that one size fits all approaches to healthcare does not work. Uh, and I'm sure you hear that from your clients and this has been at the forefront of uh, HR benefits and health plan buyers minds for the last couple of years is really looking at do the benefits that we offer support our entire workforce in the way that we intended it to? Are they getting the, the healthcare experiences and outcomes that, that we had hoped? And I think what many people are finding is the answers are no and no to that. And we need to rethink how healthcare is delivered for underserved populations. But to answer your question, what did we learn specifically? And I'll break it down between our LGBTQ plus study and our black health study uh, on our LGBTQ plus study. So we got about 1500 survey responses across about 10 fortune 100 companies. Uh, and we heard loud and clear from members that uh, they're having difficulty accessing and finding providers that meet their needs. Uh, so about 40 to 60% of members saying, yeah, I've had difficulty finding a PCP or mental health clinician Yep, because unfortunately carrier databases and provider directories don't make that readily available to members. You can't go onto a carrier database and say, hey, I'm looking for a gay-friendly doctor. Maybe one or two pop up if you're lucky, and then you don't know like how they were vetted and identified. Um, so, that, so access and finding is a challenge. Uh, high rates of discrimination and denial of care. 40% uh, of members saying they've been discriminated against in the healthcare setting. Uh, and as a result of that negative experience, 35% are actively postponing and avoiding care which again, not a good thing. Uh, and then we found that members end up in the hospital and ER at greater rates, uh, again, for the LGBTQ plus community, because they're not building those relationships with primary care doctors. So their needs are going unmanaged over time until there's an acute health episode, at which point they have to go to an urgent care ER or hospital for their needs. Um, so of course, alarming, disappointing data there, but again, probably not surprising data. Um, right. So that's that was the data that we used, of course, to then say the best way to support this community is through a tailored navigation advocacy offering that's focused on connecting members to affirming and clinically competent providers, supporting them through their mental health and behavioral health needs, navigating gender affirming care for our trans and uh, gender nonconforming community, supporting through the family building and planning process as well, because that was a big unmet, unmet need for, for members, and then also supporting parents of LGBTQ plus youth as well. We hear uh, quite a bit that parents also need support processing maybe when their child comes out to them or navigating healthcare for their child as well. So really thinking holistically about how we can support members uh, with an LGBTQ plus health related need or question. Those were the key learnings from that study. Yeah. On the black health side, um, similarly alarming data, not surprising uh, data, I think, to, to many people um, because these were, were known gaps, but similarly, high rates of discrimination and, and negative experience. Quite a few members saying about 35% of members saying they had not completed an annual physical uh, or wellness visit within the past year. So again, that avoiding care rate is pretty high. Uh, about 35% of members saying they've experienced race-related bias in the healthcare system. 
Um, and as a result of that, those that had experienced that bias or negative experience, 50% are postponing and avoiding care. So a higher postponing uh, care rate. And then 25% had visited the ER within the past year. And then 50% had visited an urgent care uh, facility or retail health clinic within the past year. Again, needs going unmanaged over time until there's an event at which point they have to go uh, to an urgent care and ER because inability to find affirming and clinically competent providers that look like them, that understand yep. needs, safe and welcoming environments. Uh, and all of those rates are, are much higher than the broader and general population. Yeah. So again, we were able to develop a, a tailored navigation advocacy product for the black community in that way. And I wonder, I wonder if you guys did a similar survey in the Hispanic community, do you think you would find similar results? Yeah, great question. I think so. And that's really the philosophy of our community's products is going directly to the source of the community, understanding the needs and what areas uh, of support are, are needed. It's not necessarily taking our LGBTQ plus product and saying, oh, well, the exact same things are going to be true for the Black community or the Hispanic or Latinx community or the any other community that, that we can think about. Um, it's important that we understand what are the health needs? What are the barriers to care? What are the challenges? Uh, what are their fears and pain points? That way we can really develop a, a product that is specific uh, to their needs. For example, in the Black research study is time and time again, we heard from members saying, there are not enough providers out there that look like me. I want to go see another provider that is of the Black community. Yeah. And in my local community, there might be one or two or none. Um, so our ability to solve that by identifying vetting providers who are of that community or regularly treat that community and create safe and welcoming environments, or also through our virtual care offering, as we talked about before, because there are those desert lands. So being able to have both of those options at our disposal to be able to support members in the best possible way to meet their needs. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of what I was, was thinking is you, you probably have a greater ability to control the access to diverse providers who are empathetic to that, you know, specific demographic through your own hiring practices, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about what's happening across the country right now, we have um, the great resignation happening. I think, I mean, I don't know any organizations that aren't being impacted by this. How does included health, you know, if, if I'm a, if I'm an HR leader, and, you know, I'm trying to understand our human capital needs to drive, you know, the, the, you know, organization forward. How does Included Health fit in the recruitment and retention puzzle piece there? I love this question because benefits does play a, a large role in the acquisition and retention of talent. Um, I actually got this question from a couple of our clients because they were really grappling and wrestling with this issue within their organization, high rates of turnover. So they had to, to launch a new initiative to uh, or a large campaign, a hiring campaign. Um, and they were really trying to assess and understand the value and impact of included health within their workforce. Um, is it something that people are more likely to stay if they had it? What is the perceived value that it delivers and offers to the population? And then what do those people think that might not necessarily engage with it, but do they have a higher affinity for their employer just by offering included health in this way? 
And it was really cool that the, it's early data. So I, we don't have it finalized through a, through a study yet, but I, I, I'd be happy to share a couple of the early data points that with would love to hear it. Yeah. So ultimately what, what we learned. So one of the questions was, do you have a higher affinity for your employer by offering included health? And of those that participated in the study, 82% said, yes, I have a higher affinity yeah. for my employer because we offer included health. So that, that's a pretty high percentage there and telling of the value, um, perceived value, and then just the, the kind of halo effect that the employer would gain. Number two was looking at how high does benefits weigh in your decision as you're thinking of either staying or accepting a new job opportunity on a scale of one to 10. And the average answer was 8.2 for that. Wow. So that's pretty, that's, that's pretty big. Out. Yeah, I would have thought comp and some other things, which of course those are still in there, but I didn't realize benefits weighed that heavily uh, in the decision-making. So I think that was eye-opening for, for this client. And then the last question was, are you more likely to stay at your employer because uh, we offer included health? And and 66% of people said yes to that. Again, a high percentage, like it, it's not a... a Perfect hundred percent, but I didn't think it would be that high. Yeah. Uh, and sixty six percent is pretty telling there, um, which is uh, exciting to see just the value of the offering to members and, and likely to stay because their employer offers it. And then one last quote that we received through this study, uh, I think, is further telling, especially in the current environment that we're living in uh, from a social landscape. Is a member said, "I have not used included health." I necessarily don't think I, I need to use it just yet because I, I've got my care team, I've got my healthcare kind of settled and I feel good about things. Uh, but I feel better that my employer has chosen to implement included health for my fellow colleagues, even though I necessarily don't have a need for it today. Um, so I think that just goes to show that in the current landscape, whether it's great resignation, whether it's political and climate and, and everything else going on, that employees and and some of the generations kind of I'm thinking Gen Z to millennials yes so forth care deeply about how their employer shows up how they respond to social issues and what they're doing to support their entire workforce even though it might not necessarily impact them as, as that singular employee yeah i think what we're what we're touching upon here is the fact that the traditional benefit offering of the past is outdated and no longer sufficient and you can't just offer off-the-shelf health insurance and a 401k and expect that it's going to be meaningful to the employees. The millennials in the marketplace, Gen Z, are very quickly, if not already, going to be the majority of the workforce. Yep. And from a recruitment and retention standpoint, an employer needs to think about, you can't just run with a core benefit offering anymore. It's about adding supplemental services that meet the diverse needs of that workforce demographic, right? Whether you're slicing it by LGBTQ, African-American, Hispanic, high yep. wage, lower wage, millennials or Gen Z, you have to be thinking about every segment of the workforce, yep. right? And whether or not the benefit you offer is going back to that word, equitable. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the questions, and I'm sure you get this question as well, is, Hey, Michael, or hey, Colin, like, how do I figure that out? How do I figure out what my workforce needs? How do I kind of keep my pulse on that? Because the environment and landscape is changing so rapidly and quickly. Um, and what we have seen in through our conversations uh, is going through these equity benefits assessments, 
and really opening up what is their benefits package today and asking themselves those questions of, hey, who does this benefit support? Who potentially does it leave out? What are the implications of that? What are the healthcare experiences and outcomes associated with this benefit? And then who potentially is not able to access it? Just because we offer it doesn't mean everyone's able to access it, right? right. Um, Then really being able to get to the root of that and understanding the needs of their entire organization, uh, what I'm a big proponent of is ensuring that benefits team has a really tight connection with their DEI group and their ERG leaders, because that's a great way to understand and gather a pulse of that particular group, what it's like uh, from a culture perspective, from a workplace perspective, from a benefits perspective, how all of that is working for that group within that that employer. Um, So by doing this in a proactive way, building a strong partnership between benefits, DEI, and uh, the ERG leaders on a regular cadence, you're able to get this information and do it in a proactive manner versus it kind of catching you by surprise uh, later down the road whenever a, a problem might be presenting itself. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think being able to you know survey your employees and you know ask them what do you need, what, what's working, what's working today, what's not working, and if we were to offer these things, would they be meaningful to you? I think family planning benefits is another one that you know I think continues to be more relevant, especially as a way to keep you know working women in the workforce. As just one example, you guys provide so many services that you know, benefit an employee and their dependents. I mean, we haven't really even talked about, you know, expert medical opinions. What feedback to date are you guys getting, you know, from your membership? Do you, do you track NPS or use another metric for customer satisfaction? Yes, we, we track both uh, member sat and customer uh, satisfaction through NPS there. And I am incredibly proud and honored that we have a, I believe, 98% member satisfaction, which is incredibly high. It's almost unheard of within a healthcare product offering, uh, which just goes to show that we are so member-centric as an organization. We care deeply about our members and the experiences they have and then the the associated outcomes uh, that come with that. So goes to show that we are a very member-centric organization uh, focused on outcomes. And then from an NPS perspective as well, a, a very high client NPS. I, I know the team was just refreshing the numbers and going through that process, so I don't have it off the top of my head. But I know being uh, proud of our, our high client NPS as, as well. Um, not only do we care deeply about our members and creating good experiences for them, uh, but dedicating ourselves to our clients and bringing them into the fold through our, our roadmap, our strategy, getting their feedback and and letting them be part of that uh, influencing conversations too. I love that. I mean, that goes back to the notion of, of, you know, constant iteration, right? So, I mean, tell me a little bit more about how are you incorporating clients into figuring out, you know, what you guys do next or how do you make it better? I would say it's a a couple different ways. So one is through our relationships, our ongoing relationships uh, that is powered by our amazing and expert client success team that keeps regular touch points with our clients, understanding what are their priorities? How are we meeting their needs? What are the the outcomes and the metrics that we're experiencing account by account? Uh, And then of course, they are the voice of our our clients and customers. So then that information is coming back internally constantly, uh, both to our our product teams, our our go-to-market teams and things like that to help influence the the future roadmaps. Um, So I'd say that's one thing. Two is more formal kind of client summit type things to where we, we can convene some of our clients and gather their input on certain 
questions or roadmaps or strategic items that, that we want input on. And then third is just the example around our Black Community Innovation Coalition, um, where we said we want to make a positive impact and improve health equity for the Black community. So we convened seven of our existing clients. So Accenture, Best Buy, Medtronic, Genentech, State Farm, Target, and Walmart, and brought these seven organizations together to understand what are they thinking about? What are their priorities within their organization? Partnering with their Black and African-American ERGs and DEI groups to conduct this research and, and really co-innovate this product together to really move the needle for Black Americans and health equity within, within the country. So I would say those are just a couple of examples of the many ways that we can be in our clients to get their voice, get their feedback, uh, to really influence the direction of where we go. I love that. And you know, to me, that feedback loop is really a sign, you know, of an organization that is, you know, focused on their, their customer and, you know, continually trying to, to create value. So I think that's great. So you, you guys have historically targeted, you know, very large self-funded employers, given that your broad offering of services that you have now, I mean, has that changed, you know, who, who is your target market and, and where are you looking to grow? Yeah, I would say our, our market is the enterprise and health plan space. So clients, of course, uh, across those two uh, spectrums. From uh, employee size, we, we've kind of run the gamut there. Of course, smaller and medium-sized employers all the way up to, to jumbo. So really, it's anyone that fits within that from an enterprise or employer perspective, and then all health plans as well. So I think that it goes to show that we have built our offering to work across the entire ecosystem for employers or health plans to be able to deliver value to their members. I love it. So extending down to, you know, middle market employers, which is great. I think historically the navigation market, you know, there's, there's the big three out there whose names I probably don't need to mention. And for a while, you know, it was really focused on the jumbo, right? Larger enterprise organizations. And I feel like within the last maybe 24 months, all three organizations have started to focus more on, on middle market employers. So one, I, I think that's great because there's a need and, and certainly I think lots of opportunity. What are you, Colin, most excited about right now in your business? Any, any improvements or enhancements um, that are in the works that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I would say I'm most excited about our all-included care offering. So now that the three organizations have come together as one, we have fully integrated and able to provide a seamless member experience. I think it is new to the market because nobody, no one else is doing this. So there's just so much opportunity out there. Clients are, are needing it and asking for things like this. Members are, of course, going to get a differentiated, better outcome, better experience as a result of this. Uh, it is early days. So I think that is the thing that is uh, most exciting for us. And that's where we're placing our, our bets and investment uh, as an organization to really improve uh, healthcare in this country. I love it. I love it. I, I do think the the integrated offering just presents such a unique value proposition, uh, you know, relative to relative to standard TPA and ASO models out there. You know, certainly we have lots of clients who are are starting to look at this, and you know, I think understand the value proposition. But it's it there's a learning curve, right? I think brokers and consultants out there have to be willing to you know take these ideas to their clients and spend time educating them. Truth be told, I mean. There's a lot of employers out there still doing traditional status quo purchasing. 
And, you know, this may not be on the radar. Yeah. And I think to that point, it's important to stay up to date with the latest because even a year ago or two years ago, we were different organizations, right? And things are moving so rapidly. Uh, sometimes it's hard to stay up to date with everything that's happening, but that just goes to show the importance of having consultant broker relationships, making sure that we're equipping you with that information um, and everyone else has that. So then consultants and brokers can then take that to their clients um, and make sure they're aware as well. Yep, for sure. So Colin, if there was one question that I should have asked you, but I didn't, what would it be? Ooh, this is a tough question to, to throw on me. Um, let's see. Maybe That's, I got them all. Yeah, I was. we covered a lot here. This was a great conversation. I think maybe the last one is, if somebody wants more information about Included Health, where do they go? Or that, Well, that, that's my next question. So oh, okay. you, you hit it. You hit it. Where, where do they go to learn more? Yeah, well, I would say there's, there's a couple ways. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, our website. Uh, so anyone can go to includedhealth.com uh, or any of our social channels. Twitter being one of them. So at included health is our handle. I'm always excited to be able to connect with individuals on my LinkedIn. Uh, I regularly post uh, about various topics within healthcare, health equity, uh, and things like that. So we'd be happy to connect there. We as an organization have a number of webinars coming up this month. It is Pride Month, so happy Pride. And so if any employers are uh, interested in learning more about our community's offerings or any of the other offerings, our navigation, expert medical opinion, virtual care, virtual behavioral health, uh, specialty care, they can get to us any of those ways uh, and would be happy to continue the conversation and connect. Awesome. Well, on behalf of our listeners, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. I think it's been a really insightful conversation and I think will be very beneficial for our audience. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed the time together and uh, we'll have to do this again at some point. All right. And to our listeners, uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. And with that, we'll sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you like what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Included Health's website and contact information. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast.